This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property. I'm your host Greg Watson. We're talking a little bit of national market news today but also we've got a bit of local, uh, national and international real estate in here for you. So a little bit of something for everybody but I like to first of all come down to what's happening locally. The market's really picked up since the lockdown has gone to level two in terms of the sales market and the rental market. It's like Somebody just paused the market and said, nobody do anything for a length of time and then go again. And so it's a little bit like racehorses or greyhounds coming out of a gate or their boxes and they're into it. And uh, the market has picked up. However, it was dire during the lockdown, of course, for real estate sales. But really in terms of the busyness, we're seeing that things are a little quieter in terms of inquiries, but a little quieter means it's still very busy indeed. Multiple offers on properties are very common, properties that are for sale, and the properties that are for rent, we're back to pre-COVID-19 lockdown numbers of people looking for property. So this first article I just wanted to mention about the market was to do with renting. It says, Manawatu Wanganui rents hit a record high in lockdown. This article from the Manawatu Standard just recently said that the record high during the coronavirus lockdown, uh, although the emergency government support for renters is expected to blunt its effect going forward. TradeMe's latest rental price index showed the average rent in the region reached a record-breaking $420 per week in April, and that's up 17% from the same month in 2009. So, the, it just shows that the average rent's up 17%. That's a considerable increase for every $100 that you used to pay in rent. That's now 117 Trade Me Property spokesman uh, Aaron Clancy said the index is a three-month average, so it's yet to show the full impact of coronavirus and the subsequent emergency support measures, such as the rent freeze until September 26th and the moratorium on landlords ending tenancies until June 26th. Clancy said the momentum of two years of rapid growth carried the average rent to a new record, but those support measures were likely to stop it dead in its tracks in his coming months. So we're in a position now, and we will be for a little while, where rents cannot be increased, and in fact notice can't even be given for rents to increase until at least June the 26th. And then we'll see how that goes if the government decides to extend that or leave it how it is. One or two Property Investors Association President Pauline Bicel said most landlords owned one or two rental properties and didn't make a lot of money on them. As rates and other overhead costs increased and new regulations coming in, they had to raise rents to cover them. So a lot of the association members, that is the Property Investors Association members, were worried about how they would cope with the additional strain from the pandemic. She says landlords are just ordinary people as well with other jobs or businesses and they've suffered reduced wages and income too. She says everybody's in the same boat and we just have to find a way through this. 
She said there were a few members who needed to sell their rental to prop up their main business due to pandemic disruption, but they couldn't give their tenants the necessary 42 days notice until the end of June. What that means is if they sell a property, that it wouldn't be able to settle until six weeks after the end of June at the earliest. She says others had put plans to exit the rental market or move themselves into a house they're renting on hold for the same reason. They do quote me in this article. Uh, Greg Watson said, while the rent freeze may be a drastic change in the market right now, it wouldn't change anything in the long run. So I think I'm quoted as saying it'll just mean landlords who are looking to increase rent will make it a bigger one after the freeze because all the costs are still going up. Rents were rising rapidly, mainly because there's so few places available and so many people competing for them. So that effect would be similar to when the lockdown hit uh, in terms of the, the, the busyness in the market. It was busy then and it's busy now. So that's just a little, little bit on the market here. Now here's something else just in, in the news in the one or two standard that I saw that I thought was, was interesting and, and a little bit left field. And this is a $10 ticket, the headline says. Voucher scheme could boost Palmerston North retail. So Palmerston North ratepayers could be in line to get a $10 voucher to spend in shops in the central city. Mayor Grant Smith and the councillors have included investigation of the scheme in the city recovery plan and we'll debate whether to go ahead with it next Wednesday. What would you do if you were given $10 to spend in the central city? Would you go and spend it? Would you put it in your pocket? I'm not sure. Well, it does say it's a voucher, so there would be some rules around that. I guess you can't just bank it. And Smith said the city retailers were among the businesses finding it really tough to survive even as the COVID-19 restrictions were relaxed. The council had kept car parking free in the central city under Level 2 to encourage more people into town. And thank you very much. It's nice parking and not having to worry about that. It took me a few goes to realise that it wasn't a broken metre, but actually it is free during Level 2. That's wonderful. I do say, though, that that's likely to end after Queen's birthday weekend. So this voucher scheme, if approved, would see an amount of, they say, probably $10 allocated to every rateable property in the city. And they can redeem the vouchers while shopping at central city retailers, although it's yet to be decided whether that would include supermarkets, which had continued to trade during the lockdown. The scheme could cost the council up to $300,000 if everybody redeemed their vouchers, and the source of that funding is yet to be decided. The Smith said the plan was to get the scheme approved and operating as soon as possible. Uh, so that's interesting because it doesn't need to be referred to debates on the 2021 budget. So some interesting thoughts. I just thought that was a bit left field. Uh, at one time during this COVID situation, someone had said, why doesn't the government just give everybody $1,000 and they go spend it? So maybe this is just a watered down version of that, but could be really helpful and could make a difference for some businesses here in the central city. Um, some people might scoff at $10. It's not decided what that would be, but if it's a voucher, uh, I'll use it. I'll definitely use it because I want to support local. Just another news with regards to housing and Manawatu. This article from The Standard says, small rates rise a compromise between nothing and too much. So Palmerston North's looming rate rises, it says, could be pegged back from the 4.4% originally proposed before the COVID-19 pandemic to just under 2%. At the City Council's rates debate meeting on Wednesday, Deputy Mayor Tangi Utakere 
described the 1.95% increase targeted for the year beginning in July as pragmatic and compassionate. Now, my understanding was that uh, we've got some pretty large projects happening here, including the renewal of the wastewater system, um, the stormwater system in the city, which is a significant project, uh, which I was quite happy to contribute uh, a little bit more rates towards to get that sorted out. However, let's carry on with this article. The rates increase was the main issue for submitters on the draft budget that went out for public consultation, with nearly half of the 49 submitters telling the council to freeze rates or reduce the increase. Submitters' opinions on the proposed 4.4% ranged from not prudent to appalling and to cruel in light of the COVID-19-induced recession. Councillor Susan Beatty said it would not be possible to freeze rates and still build a progressive city. She said the people and businesses were hurting very badly and a compromise might be needed. Of course, it goes without say, uh, her next quote, which is that we do not want to rate people higher than absolutely necessary. And in this case, I'd like to err on the side of ratepayers, so making it as achievable as possible. It's interesting to see what will be done there. That's uh, They're already um, going into this new financial year at the council. They've uh, reduced, of course, the parking revenue and the Palmas North Airport Company um, in terms of that's around about a $1.3 million uh, that they haven't gotten that they thought they probably would have. So it's just interesting there. We'll see what comes out soon um, and, and what they decide to do with the rates there. Like I say, I don't mind personally, but for some people it could make a difference between um, possibly food on the table or being able to pay a power bill. Now this article in the lifestyle section of stuff is more on a national basis. It says, coronavirus, which regions of New Zealand will have the biggest house price falls? And just before you panic, I'll tell you it will not be Manawatu Wanganui. That's absolutely for sure. But here's the article anyway, that how much the house price might fall this year will depend a lot on where you live, economists say. ANZ has released its latest property focus research, which included an assessment which regions are likely to be most affected by the COVID-19 outbreak. So the bank's economists predicted a national house price fall of between 10% and 15% this year. They warned the impact would not be evenly felt. Areas with more exposure to tourism and migration and with recent high rates of building were more exposed to house price falls than others. So the ones that are most exposed are Queenstown Lakes District, Mackenzie, Kaikoura, Westland, Taupo, Thames, Coromandel, according to the report. Economist Elizabeth Kendalls said Auckland could experience bigger price falls on average than much of the country, and that tends to then bring this national average uh, down as well. And to quote her, she says, We will see recovery on the other side, but it may be slow and house prices may settle at lower levels relative to income because the high prices no longer make sense. Queenstown may be affected for some time because it'll take a long time for tourists to come back on tourism to come back online. And Queenstown would also not see the population growth that had been predicted as migration dwindled. So it follows CoreLogic research that showed Queenstown, Christchurch and Auckland were most exposed to a downturn. Queenstown, because nearly 20% of its economic activity was from accommodation and food services that were likely to be hard hit. 20% of its residential housing stock was also listed on Airbnb and that could affect rent prices if the owners pulled back into the long-term rental market. She then goes on to say that Invercargill, Hamilton and Whangarei would be more resilient. 
And Manotu in this particular article, Manotu Wanganui, didn't get a mention, but I can tell you there's plenty happening here and the prices, if they drop slightly, will be nothing compared to the 20%, for example, in Palmerston North or the mid-30s in percentage points around uh, the Wanganui area increase that we've had in the last 12 months. So remember, a slight drop is not a major. These things happen with property, and if you're in there in the long haul, then that's that's fine. This article from Trade Me, rental market bouncing back after a quiet April. It sort of mirrors my own experience uh, where I've found that inquiries during lockdown level four and three dropped to one-third. So only around about 30% as many inquiries during that time as we normally would. Now, that has returned now to the normal level. But this article for Trade Me is more looking at a national side of things and says that renters are starting to look around again after very much staying put during lockdown in April. So Trade Me property spokesperson Aaron Clancy said, over April the number of rental properties available on the website dropped 26% compared to a year ago and the number of inquiries fell 55%. He does say, though, that renters and landlords are now beginning to re-emerge. So far in May, we're seeing a lot of activity on site, with listings of rental properties shooting back up when compared to April and plenty of potential tenants coming on to search for a new home. One interesting feature, he said, of April was a jump in searches for furnished rentals, up 35% a year ago. It could possibly be because people are looking for a quick and easy move as their needs change such as relocating to be closer to family or looking for more space to work from home. Rents have grown strongly in the last two years, but with the government's six-month rent freeze imposed in March, uh, according to to Trade Me, is thinking that there will be an impact in terms of uh, providing some relief for renters, but it does create concern for landlords with uncertainty around their own costs. So those comments from Aaron Clancy on Trade Me. So in terms of some of the figures, the uh, Auckland sort of average or median rent, I should say, we'll start with Wellington, 575, that's up 8.5% from last year. Auckland rents were about 580 per week, up 4% the previous year. And uh, those are probably the the big ones. In Manotu, Wanganui, the median weekly rent reached a record-breaking $420 per week, up 17% this time last year. Other performers that performed well were Southland in terms of the median rents, which were up 360, that's oh, up to 360, which is 13%, and Otago, which broke records with weekly rents reaching $530, 23% higher than a year ago. It's tough going for people uh, renting in terms of the prices, and you can see why in the hot market the government has frozen those rents and as I mentioned earlier in this broadcast it'll mean that uh, probably there'll just be larger increases when those increases do come. So we're going to go to a bit of music now. I do like a bit of the boss Bruce Springsteen. This is Born to Run. You're here on Property Matters. Sprung from cages on high 
You're back on Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson. We're talking all things property. And I just noticed in the news the other day that Wellington's historic banana house sells for $2.195 million. So what's this banana house? It was inspired by the UK stately home Gatcom Park, where every room on this home opens onto a long, glazed gallery. So if you get the chance to go into Stuff Lifestyle in the home section... Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's actually unique in New Zealand. The home was built in 1876. It's comprised of 10 rooms that open onto a glazed gallery, which according to the home's previous owner acts like the Victorian version of solar heating trapping in the sun's warmth. It's a Category 1 historic place, and it really called for a dedicated purchaser, someone who can really look after it, and that's what's been found. So it's understood that the new owner plans to totally refurbish the home with work estimated to cost between half a million and $700,000. Now, because of its unique concrete construction, any works carried out on the house will need to be approved by council and heritage assessors before going forwards. It sounds like one of those, the programme that's on TV, the grand designs that could be uh, filmed in this one. So estimated to be worth between 
just slightly either side of two million, the real estate salesperson, uh, Mr. Atwell, said that its historical value of the property is worth closer to three million. However, the lower sale price reflected the extensive works needed to ensure the longevity. So the home it's based on is actually a British stately home that belongs to Princess Anne with two large sitting rooms, drawing room and a morning room at either end of the house connected by the gallery. Both rooms have working Victorian fireplaces and large bay windows. So again, there's uh, it's been affectionately, it's in the Thorndon Hills, it's on the green curve on the Thorndon Hills um, and it's named the Banana House because of its curved appearance. So that's something which you can have a look at online. So here's a story from coronavirus, and this is from the Stuff Lifestyle section. The headline is, First Home Buyers Lose When Tenants Refuse to Budge. It says here that Stuff has heard from several first home buyers who have been unable to settle on their homes as the sitting tenants won't move. One buyer said the tenant is holding everybody to ransom. Tenants' refusal to budge has meant a Wellington couple are likely to lose their first home purchase, which is a two-bedroom apartment with a sale and purchase agreement that was actually due to be settled on May the 15th. However, the tenant, who's lived in the apartment for 16 years and pays an incredibly low $220 per week, was given 90 days notice that the property would need to be vacated by the settlement date. However, lockdown came along and the tenant has invoked the rental freeze introduced by the government during lockdown level 4 that says he cannot be issued with an eviction notice until June the 26th, which means he could remain there potentially until the end of October, or longer should the government decide to extend the freeze. They quote the buyers, Joe and John, which is not their real names, as saying he's legally allowed to hold us all to ransom. So Joe and John's lawyer has requested that they remain anonymous and, it's lo- and they say it's like he's been given a golden ticket to have it all his own way. The current owner has even offered him another place to live, which he's refused, and we've offered him our own rental. But instead of taking those options, he's decided to stay and exploit his rights and hold a whole lot of people hostage. We're at a dead end. Joe says she and John, who are in their 40s and 50s, were thrilled finally to be able to purchase a home of their own with the help from the family for a very reasonable $405,000. We didn't think we'd ever be able to do this and it looked like it would be perfect, she says. We'd queried the issue of the tenant as we knew he was somewhat disgruntled but we were told he was prepared to move as requested. When we heard about the rent freeze, we got a little worried and the first thing we did was call our solicitor who said, no, he has to be out by settlement date, you bought a vacant position, he's been served as notice, he has to be out. But then after both parties had signed the contract, we heard on May 4th that the tenant refused to, refused to go, says Joe. I was hysterical, it was our worst nightmare, we'd been reassured this could not happen, and so forth. So it's, uh, And then, then they go through in the article about several um, situations there. Now what can happen there is the vendor, uh, the person selling, can be in default of the contract and, uh, and has 12 more days to get the tenant out of the apartment or incur significant legal costs. Oh, not legal costs, but uh, you tend to pay a, a penalty for not settling. Uh, which is a a percentage of the purchase price um, payable on a daily basis. Yeah, tough going, tough going. I mean, this this COVID-19 come along and struck a lot of people unawares. This next article from goodreturns.co.nz, housing supply increases being hampered. This is a much-needed increase in housing supplies being hindered by New Zealand by new legislation, I should say, relating to rental properties warns property investors Federation Executive Officer Sharon Colwick. 
She says they welcome the Budget 2020 announcement that recently that the government plans to fund 8,000 new homes with 2,000 of these being made available for emergency housing. However, the reality is is that even more houses are required. Of the 600,000 tenancies in New Zealand, 90% are provided by the private rental sector with only a small percentage available through Housing New Zealand and other community-based organisations. So although having any house available for rent is a help, having excess supply of these is the only way to solve the current issue. Property investors say that introducing improvements like the Healthy Homes Minimum Standards are great and needed to upgrade older housing stock in the country, but they also unintentionally reduce the supply of rental houses. That's because older houses are being demolished and removed from the rental pool and are being replaced often by owner-occupied properties. So consequently, the situation becomes worse and the current total of 15,000 people on emergency housing waiting list increases. So little thought's gone into the timing of such legislation, according to property investors. As well as that, just in a bit of international news, uh, Elon Musk, who of course is uh, the Tesla man and the man who's uh, doing space projects, he's selling all six of his California homes, the billionaire. So why is that? On May 1st, the Tesla CEO announced he would be selling almost all physical possessions, including his home, in a shocking tweet. His reason for selling his belongings? Well, according to Elon, he seeks freedom. So in the days that would follow, he listed two of his Bel Air mansions, but he had to make the move to sell the remaining four. However, on Friday, he kept his promise and put the rest of the mansions up for a combined sale price of $62.5 million. It's unlikely the businessman will sell the four properties any soon as he's selling them as a bundle offer, which seems a bit unusual. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are carrying that amount of loose change around in their pocket. But they are sort of, and all those four properties are in a uh, living, uh, effectively next door neighbours to each other. So somebody could buy them all if they wanted sort of a compound or, or something along those lines. So this article, I'll just have a look here. I think it was on stuff. Yes, it was in the entertainment section. It's got a whole lot of photos of the homes that, that he's built. And um, man, it's sort of hard to see where the value is in some of those, not being nasty. But uh, heck, it's a lot of money for some homes. So where will he go? We're not quite sure. He's possibly uh, just going down to the one home. He's got six kids, so he'll probably require a large space to be able to cook for them all and uh, and to look after them. So he's just uh, just going back to what he needs. So that's all we've got for our Property Matters today. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we've loved having you here. We look forward to catching up to you next Tuesday here on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo Irirangi o Ngā Tangata o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson and this is Property Matters. You can also find this where all podcasts are found. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.